Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing three chapters of The Way of Kings, chapters 20, 21, and 22, wherein we get a very brief Kaladin flashback, and then uh, we get modern-day Kaladin, where he's he's trying to come up with ways to to make this bridge thing work, and, uh, you know, making some, some headway, maybe. And then we get... A Dalinar chapter where there's a feast and things don't go super well for him on multiple fronts, really. So anyway, I'm Dana, and with me today is Jamie and Dak. Uh, no Joe today. It's the weekend after Thanksgiving for those of us here in the U.S., and he is doing family things. Today's part of Joe, played by Dak. Oh, God, no. <laughs> You have to do both sides <laughs> of Possum Hunters. Sorry. Um, um, um. Uh, Foxburg, Foxburg, Foxburg. So yeah, hang on to something, everybody. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. So yeah, just uh, Jamie and Dak with us today, but uh, we will get some discussion on these three chapters. What did you all think of our three new chapters? Yeah, I, I like the Kaladin flashbacks. I think they're, I, I like seeing kind of what made the man the way he is. So it, it's it's sad to read about, you know, sad things and hard moments in his life, but I'm hoping the guy has some good moments somewhere because present day is not exactly a bush of roses or anything so yeah <laughs> poor guy a bit of a hard lesson to to learn there but it was it was good to read about his plan I, I like that he has kind of formally has a crew now that's that's a bit that's a bit of a good win rock being able to see Phil was pretty interesting as well mm-hmm. I'm kind of keen to learn more about you know where he comes from and his culture if that's just a thing that is totally normal. Obviously, the the people here don't understand a lot of that. So that's I'm really interested to learn about that. I don't believe Bridge Fraw are going to take it well when they're informed of their mission to go outside the camp. <laughs> but it, it's it's good to see him being able to make some decisions and that people you know will follow maybe begrudgingly. Like they, they he has to earn their ability to trust him which I like is he's really having to earn it. It doesn't feel like he's like, follow me. And everyone's like, oh, good, strong leadership. Okay, let's go. Like these people are, are broken physically, mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally. <laughs> so to to have him, it's it's good that he's working for it, but it's good that it's paying off. Um, so I'm liking his journey there so far. And back with uh the the king and the high princess interesting interesting to see elicar's mum show up she's she's i like her the wit was on fire 
<laughs> with some of the the insults he was throwing around. I was just I was thinking about it. I'm like, oh, like there's a lot of chatter going on. There's not really a lot happening. And then the revelation at the end that Sadius was going to be was it the leader of information or, or whatever his title yeah. is. I was like, oh, man, dude, you just had this conversation about why this couldn't happen. And he explained himself, but I was like, man, that doesn't look good. Like, this is this is very, very bad for Dalinar. It just, it's, it's not looking good there. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's... I. I tend to agree with you on at least the the Kaladin section or the flashbacks because I find it really interesting to see like these these little glimpses into his history and how he ended up where he is more or less and you have to wonder if we're going to keep getting Kaladin flashbacks like where does it like how far forward in time do we go there's all sorts of I... interesting possibilities Yeah I mean obviously not really being able to comprehend how big like the Stormlight Archive stories are going to get, I would I would expect to kind of see up to the decision where he be he where he joined the army versus continuing down the path of a surgeon. We've got to see something about how he gets there, and there's clearly something going on with him from the you know it, he was he was the lucky one in Amaram's army as well, and whatever's happening there is happening here. There does seem to be something about him or Sill or a combination thereof that makes them somewhat lucky there. It does seem to be a truth to it. So I don't know whether there's something in his past that contributes to that or not. But, yeah, I would expect to at least go up to before he joined the army. And that actually leads into the other thing I was going to say is you you noted about how Rock can see Sill as well. So there's – I guess if anyone – had considered that maybe Kaladin has just gone crazy and is talking to someone who's not there all the time. That seems to confirm that no, Syl is really there, unless Rock is also insane, I suppose. Yeah, I, I don't think Kaladin's crazy. <laughs> not at all. Not in that way, at least. You know, he's a little. I mean, a bit nuts, but not losing <laughs> his mind. <laughs> but, and yes, I we talked previously about wanting to, like, I think it was Dak who was like, man, I hope we see this. This uh, Elokar's mom, this Navani person, show up, and so here she is. She didn't didn't take too long at all. Yeah, I like her. I think. Well, who, First who, impressions. Yeah. Right. Who would have thought that uh, Dalinar would have such conflicted uh, feelings about her? That is uh, well, a whole I did, different. Yeah, thing. I didn't really see that coming. And I thought it was interesting when he made the note of, you know, it's like my wife's face is gone. I can't remember, and yet her I see so clearly. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm, indeed. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> you can quote me on that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's, we're going to put that on, on the front page. Hmm, yeah. from Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are, like, fun chapters. Um, yeah, every flashback Callan gets, I'm just like, man, your life has just been the worst. <laughs> like, And you're still trying to do your best, like, uh, I take my hat off to you, sir, because fucking hell, I don't know if I could have uh, stood for everything you went through. Yeah, the idea of like trying to save someone's life on the on the surgery table and and not being able to. That's like that's why that's one of the reasons I never became a doctor. <laughs> yeah, one of many reasons, really. Um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like so many reasons. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like that was utterly heartbreaking. So I can see, yeah, just 
he ke- the fact that he keeps getting back up and trying to do the right thing was 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 full on. Yeah, as like the present day Kaladin, um, I think Rock was the MVP because I'm just like, oh wow, you. Like, I I really like the trope of like when you have, like, it happens in fictional lock. You've got like the big guy of the group who is just dumb muscle, mm-hmm. and I love it when. Like everyone expects them to be dumb muscle, and they turn out to actually be very smart or very clued in. I, I love I love it when when fiction does that. So I'm like I'm glad to see like this this Ivan Drago guy coming up, and it's like no, I can see spirit. You are not crazy. <laughs> so cool. I like rock. Let's let's keep let's keep this going. I think Dresden Files did that too with Hendrix. That was really cool. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, because he turns out he's getting his masters in like English lit or something. Yeah, and anytime the mob boss does something he doesn't approve of, he quotes poetry at him to let him know his <laughs> displeasure. I'm like, that's an interesting touch, but okay. But yeah, the more like the more I read of like the the high court side of things, like Dalinar is really the only one worth a damn. The others are all like, like I think what was Elikar's mum's name? Navani. Navani, yeah. Yeah, I think she's fascinating, but I think she's like gonna. T- I think she must be just as cutthroat as the rest of them, just from like the. And Dalinar's obviously a biased viewpoint to be getting that, so we'll right. see if that's true. But just from the description we got of her, she seems like she's uh, not quite a Lady Macbeth type, but uh, you know, not probably probably came from the same school. So we'll see how that goes. I think she's interesting, but uh, like from what we saw, everyone's like, I don't know if we can trust you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's it's with the way this society is, and like you know, only women can read, and also with the Alethi being such like a cutthroat, violent kind of people that uh, to be a successful and respected queen among these people, you would have to be very capable. That's definitely true. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to say was about the epigraphs from mm-hmm. this, from this set of chapters, because it's talking about cell uh, where we've been. And we knew that the, that the shards for that planet were, destroyed and splintered some time ago and we didn't really know why and the epigraphs in this one make it clear that one of the other shards did that yep so that uh this i don't know if this is too early for predicaments but but i but this is really more just i think it's confirming what i sort of posited last time that when i flick back and found that reference to odium in uh lost metal and it talks about you know odium tried to destroy all the other shards i'm like okay that seems to indicate that you know the epigraphs here talk about this shard racy killed the, the other two shards on cell and it was you know utterly horrific like that seems to indicate all right there's not that many suspects then so probably going to say uh that was odium so this racy guy is odium and uh that might be our antagonist this time around or well, overall like maybe not for the book as a whole but maybe like the overarching like this is stormlight's big bad guy okay sure I mean, it's a logical conclusion to me is that we're told, hey, this guy was running around trying to kill everybody. And then we find out race killed a couple of guys. So, yeah, I mean, and uh, what else? What, what else were we told about this particular that this was the most frightening and terrible of all of the shards? Yes. Yeah. And and he was like that before he even took up a shard power. Yes, that he was. Whereas Addy was once a kind and generous man, race was among the most loathsome, crafty, and dangerous individuals I've ever met. So yeah, no, it's uh, doesn't sound good. No, no, this guy, this guy sounds like a little guy. Have they referenced him being male, or is it? Uh, let's see, let's see. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, this, this, this particular shard bearer with shard power is quite fucked up. 
It says he holds the most frightening and terrible of all the shards. So yes, I guess he's okay. Has there been instances of a shot power like affecting the gender of the bear, or is it just like yeah? Not like... that we've seen, but we don't know that much about the bears. We know about Sazed, who was always like he wasn't even confident himself about his masculinity because of uh, you know the the eunuch thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, you know, I don't know. I think they still refer to Harmony as a he. So uh, I don't know that we know any of the other bears like personally at this point. At least yeah, not that we know of. It could be somebody yeah. that we've seen but didn't know. Yeah, we really. I mean, really, the only. Like of all the shards we've seen, the only one confirmed as female was Autonomy. Was yeah, Bavadin. But Bavadin, yeah. Yep. I don't. Yeah, I'm I not think aware anyone of... can take up the shard though. Like, because obviously we've. Oh my God, Harmony was was Ruin and Preservation. Yep. When Preservation was taken up, like Vin held Preservation, but then yep. also Kelsia held it, and yeah, it can. Uh, I guess it's just point, who ever yeah. bearing it. Yeah, seems like. Yeah, it. that. That makes sense. I keep forgetting, just because they held it so briefly, that Kelsier and Vin did, did take up the power and, f- for a point, were that shard, effectively. Mm-hmm. Or that shard. Yeah. Just just because it was so brief. Like, obviously, it was, like, Vin taking uh, it was a massive part of the climax of that book, but, yeah. But right. it wasn't very long in duration. That was also, like, seven books ago. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that the holder of... Uh... The shard on Nalthus is also female. The endowment is that shard. Oh, okay. But yeah, so no, that's uh, you've you've got some interesting points. I kind of assumed that that would be a theory at this point after these epigraphs. So uh, glad to see that I can predict you guys at least a little bit. Hey, <laughs> that was that's your prediction. Predictable. Uh, <laughs> that's what I need to do. I need to like at the end of the episodes, I'm like, okay, you guys leave, and then I'm going to predict what you're going to predict after the next set of chapters. <laughs> Get, you have to do that as Patreon on the content game. because I do sometimes listen to the episodes. Uh, okay, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> but you've got to you, listen you to them talk. after we talk about the next episode. Yeah, but if he makes a prediction of where we're going to go and we haven't reached it in like the however many weeks it's been since that episode was recorded, yeah. Uh, now, now we're getting too meta. Yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the uh, the... There's a podcast I've been listening to recently about Babylon 5 where they have several people who have seen it before and several people who have not. And so, like, partway through the episode, they're like, okay, the people who have only seen up to this episode, you guys, what questions do you have this far along? And then after they get all those questions, they're like, okay, we're going to answer those all of those questions as soon as we kick you off. And it's just those of us who have read this before. <laughs> so then they have a section of the show where they kick the, all the newbies off and they answer all of their questions, but they don't get to hear it. Brutal. Yeah, right. It's mean. <laughs> That is, if any Babylon 5 fans out there, that is, uh, that podcast is Gray 17. I know that I recommend it. There's just so many people on it, but it's been interesting. Okay, let's get into these chapters before I start talking about every other podcast out there. So our first one is called Scarlet, and this is a very short chapter, and it's just, Cal, it started, it's seven years ago. So Kaladin is like 12 or 13 at this point. And he says, I can save her. And so there's a five-year-old child who has fallen a long way. And there's a crowd gathering around and he is like trying to help her like where she landed. Essentially, I guess it's uh, it doesn't say where they are, at least not immediately. This is two months after we last saw him. The Bright Lord Wistio is dead. He's barely seen Laurel at all. And uh, this little girl has a broken bone sticking out of. Uh, yeah, we're not going to get too far into that. I don't need to talk about that. I've been there, done that. <laughs> There's the reason I'm not a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another of those reasons where I'm just like, no, I don't need it. 
Don't need that in my life. Also, I just hate rubber gloves. I don't feel right. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't do it. I hate wearing rubber gloves. Interesting. Uh, But yes, so somebody's been sent to fetch his dad. In the meantime, he's like, I can save her. I can do it. And he's he's, he's sitting here working on her, trying to help. Ties a tourniquet because uh, she's losing so much blood. They're heating a knife. He's going to try to cauterize, cauterize, however you say it. And eventually... It, it it like he's not fast enough. There's, there's she's taken too much damage, as it were, and uh, she stops bleeding, and he's lost her. And her dad is just that like, was no. so heartbreaking to read. Yeah, that was that was hard. Like he thought he'd done it. He was like, "Yep, the bleeding stop it." Oh wait, hang on, no, she stopped everywhere. Like oh, yeah. And he's so young as well, like way younger than you'd think anyone would start learning any of this stuff. But obviously mm-hmm. that's their trade and that's what they're going to learn. But you're too young. Oh, poor guy. And then you get uh, the end of this little sec- section where the father just pushes him aside and is holding the the child and screaming. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's. And so an hour later, he's sitting on the steps in front of the surgery room, just crying. And his dad comes out and is like, I inspected your work, son, which is a very, a very clinical, detached way of saying that uh, in this case. And Kaladin's beating himself up for being unable to save her. And his dad's like, you did a good job. I'm proud of you. He's like, what are you talking about? I failed. His his dad is like on the level of Dalinar. It's like, all right, you are a bright spot in this, frankly, quite, quite disturbing society. (laughs) I mean... His uh, given what we've seen of at least the higher ups in this society and some of what we've seen in this town, you have a fair point, is that, uh, yeah, they're not real nice, like uh, generous of spirit type people. And his dad is uh, like his dad believes in healing people. He thinks that, you know, just murdering people like it. Like, I mean, you know, it's kind of a gray area with wars, but he's just like, oh, look, I don't believe in killing. So I was like, all right, you know, you make some fair points. And and he's openly supportive of his son, regardless of whether or not his son has done a good job. I mean, he has done a good job, but he's obviously in a traumatic point. His dad is doing his best to try and help him here. Like, Liren's good dad. <laughs> he's he's hard and he's stern and he wants him to succeed, but he's fair and gives praise where he should. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he is very much of the mind that his son needs to follow in his footsteps and doesn't seem that interested in what his son might want. But uh, I mean, that's not exactly unusual. Yeah, like he's he's not he's not a perfect guy, but he's trying. He he is generally trying to be a good guy, and f- like in a lot of things, he is succeeding. So yeah, and he's like, look, I've I've known men who've practiced for hours and hours and still froze when confronted by a wounded person. It's harder when it takes you by surprise. You did not freeze. You went to her, administered help, and you did it well. And Calvin's like, I don't want to be a surgeon. I'm terrible at it. And he's like, look. This happens. You couldn't have done more than you did. That little body lost too much blood too quickly. You have to learn when to care and when to let go. You'll see. I had the same problems when I was younger. You'll grow calluses. And Cal's like thinking, and and that's supposed to be a good thing? Like not caring? And then the chapter ends, in the distance, Harl continued to wail. Harl's the dad. So that's, that. yeah, that's sad. Yeah. And after that short chapter, we get to chapter 21, Why Men Lie, which is... A very referencing a very kind of weird and meta conversation that Kaladin and Syl have in this. But so our last to remind everyone, our last section of epigraphs was like, let me uh, the writer is like, let me explain why I'm so concerned. Addy was a great man. Look what happened to him. Race was terrible. 
and I can, uh, and it's like, this is why we should be worried about race. And then we cut to this one, which is one need only look at the aftermath of his brief visit to cell to see proof of what I say. So you're like, Oh, cell we've been there and he visited there. Huh? Well, what a guy vacation. Maybe who knows? Murder vacation. <laughs> Murdercation. Yeah. Get that trending. Yeah. And so it's the day after we last saw Kaladin where he saved these men uh, who were going to be left for dead out on the plateau. And he's like, oh, I don't want to wake up. I don't want to wake up, but I better wake up. <laughs> Been there, man. Although he it, for him, it's because he's so sore after the ridiculous amount of working out he did the previous day. But when he gets up, he notices that, like, the men are watching. He's like, oh, they were waiting to see if I'd get up. Huh? All right. And he checks the injured people. Uh, Leighton still alive. Amazingly, he says. So he's uh, he was kind of surprised, but good, good. And Hobber is like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you for saving me. And he tells him that you'll be fine, but you won't be able to walk on your leg for a few weeks. So I'll bring you some food. And he's like, oh, thank you. And then we've got David, who has just been sitting there staring maybe all night. And Hobber's like, oh, geez, he hasn't. I, 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 it's like he hasn't moved all night. It gives me the chills it does. And Hopper thinks he's been hit on the head, and Calvin's like, "No, it's battle shock. It'll wear off." And then thinks, "I hope." And he's thinking about how he needs just—he needs some antiseptic to keep these wounds from getting infected, but he can't afford it. And he can't—he's—he's—he he's, thinks Stormwinds take that apothecary, and then he feels bad. He's like, "Oh, it's not his fault. What's he supposed to do? Just give the shit away for free?" He goes back and he gets the plank from the day before, and he's like, "Okay, time to work out some more." Which, yeah, jeez, I mean. That's kind of the point is you have to do that kind of stuff every day to build up that muscle. But uh, I, it, it's hard for me. That's why I've never been able to get a good workout te- routine going regularly because I was like, uh, that motivation is tough, especially when you had a day like he had. Yep, I, I could go and run around with my plank for four hours or I could not do that. <laughs> and still pops over to be like, hey, they're talking about you. Some think you're crazy. Just like that guy who sits on the floor and stares. They think they say battle stress broke your mind. And Kaladin's like, huh, I hadn't thought of that. Maybe it's true. And then they have a a discussion about like, what is crazy? He's like, oh, yeah, that's when men don't think right. She's like, men never think right. Which, I mean, she's got a point, but. Well, that comes down to define right. Well. Well, that's what they get into. It's like when he, he says when. When everybody does things one way and one person does something differently, basically, they that's the crazy person. She's like, so you're just you all vote on what makes you crazy. <laughs> it's like, OK, well, no, not exactly. Um, Even I was, laughed at me when I created this cross species maternifuge, but I guess I showed myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that we can all sit there and just vote on who's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah you've lost it. Everyone who agrees, say I. I. <laughs> can you imagine the work meetings? <laughs> it's like I can. Right, we need we need we need HR involved in everything. <laughs> I fear I would be the crazy one uh, <laughs> in that instance. Just all the bosses get voted out, and then the employees are like, "Ah, <laughs> this is the life." Yep. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so, um, and then we start talking about lying. Why do people lie? And he's like, "I mean, there's lots of reasons." Is it madness? Well, I don't know. Everybody does it. So maybe you're all a little mad. And he's like, yeah, maybe. Is that an Alice in Wonderland reference? I mean, it sounds kind of like it, right? Yeah. And then uh, with the king's uncle, everybody says he never lies, Syl says. And Colin's like, I oh, have yeah, the black thorn. Well, he's a light eyes. That means he lies. They're all the same. 
They look good on the outside, but they're corrupt on the inside. And he thinks, Storm, you Amaram, you did this to me. Open for that flashback. <laughs> well, if Jamie's right and we go up to like him joining the army, we we may not get that flashback. Mm. But also, like I think we need to go back. Like Syl seems to know a lot about Dalinar. You know, she says, "Oh, everyone says he never lies," and like your bridgemen even talk about it sometimes. That suggests that she's heard other people, not his bridgemen, talking about it. So mm-hmm. she must. So she must hear about him a lot. So that that that's got that's got the old wheel spinning up top. Apparently rumors are flying around about him being crazy, but it doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing that she would have heard and then thought good things about him. So who knows? Well, yeah, it's like the rumors are in that he's about him are that he's crazy or he's having visions and stuff. And she translates to he never lies. <laughs> but even back in his little village, like Cal had heard of the Blackthorn. So I guess, you know, he's a popular subject. Yeah, but Syl's not a person. So yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> I mean, she is a person. She's not a human. Sorry, I need to clarify that. She's getting her information from humans, though. Well, I guess we don't know that for sure. That's a fair point. She could be talking to, like, other windspren or whatever. Mm. Although they're supposedly not real smart. Yeah, I have thoughts, but I'll save them for the end of the episode. All right. And she's like, it seems like I've heard men talk about times when there were no lies. He's like, oh, yeah, those are stories about the heraldic epochs, which when we saw Dalinar's vision and he asked what year it was, they were like, Oh, Epoch 8 or something like that. And he's like, what the what the hell is that? So maybe that's part of that same time period. Who knows? And Kaladin's like, it's just people. They tell stories that like the past was always better than the present. Everyone's always, which is, is true. I mean, he makes a good point here. It's like everyone's always talking about the good old days, no matter how much they hated those days at the time. You're always happy to remember all the good stuff that you yep. don't have anymore, but you're not going to reflect on the bad times. That's for sure. And so he says, uh, the stories prove it. What happened to the heralds? They abandoned us. What happened to the Knights Radiant? They fell and became tarnished. What happened to the Epoch Kingdoms? They crashed when the church tried to seize power. You can't trust anyone with power. And she's like, well, what do you do then? Have no leaders? It's like, are you a communist, Kaladin? He's like, no, no, no. You give the power to the Light Eyes and let it corrupt them and then just stay as far away as possible. That's okay. That's an idea, I guess. How's that working out for you? Honestly, <laughs> sounds a bit sound- jaded. Two shreds, you say. <laughs> Sounds like, you know, Caladin, once you get out of this, you go to the Pure Lake and you hide on the Pure Lake, buddy. That sounds like a great place for you. Yeah, nobody will bother you out there. Yeah. And I like he does note when people are looking at him, he's like, you know what? Talking to you probably doesn't help my reputation for being crazy. And I love her response. I'll do my best to stop being so interesting. And here comes uh, fucking Gary. Ugh, this guy. And, okay, I want to note at the beginning of their conversation, he says, I've news for you. So he's got news for Kaladin. Okay. So Bright Lord Lamoral, who was mentioned previously, I believe, as being in charge of the bridge crews. He's the light eyes who's in charge of the whole deal. He heard what you did, bringing those wounded back, and he went to High Prince Sadius and asked to have you strung up, which we've heard about that punishment before, where they string you up during a high storm for the storm father to judge you. And Sadius refused to let him do it. And Colin's like, oh, what? Did I misjudge Sadius? That's awesome. But no, wait, this has to be part of his act. Of, and it turns out that what Sadius said was, don't give them food or pay while they can't work. And that'll show everyone else why Bridgman have to be left behind by making them die a slow death. And Colin's like, that Kremlin. And Gaz is like, shoot, dude, shut up. That's the high <laughs> prince you're talking about. I'm not affiliated with him. Yeah, I don't know him. And then Kaladin says, thanks. Thank you for bringing me this news. And Gaz goes, news? I was sent to give you orders. 
I'm like, what? You started out with, I I have news for you. Don't, you can't spin it around now. Yeah. I mean, Gazer is just a fuckwit, so, like, he'll, <laughs> yeah. Well, are we shocked, really, that he's like, uh, hey, 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 I'm in charge here. Mm, that's fair. Callum just could put out his other eye, and he, like, seems like this problem might be solved. <laughs> I mean, he's had the threat. He's like, look, I'll just kill you, and then we'll both be finished with this. And uh, Gaz, no, no, like, no, leave, avoid that. Leave, leave him alive so he can still do the job. But just, yeah, he's he's only got one eye. So you know, we take we if we take the other, and it's like, yeah, now you need to rely on me so you can see. Try me, buddy. I don't know that they would let him keep his job if he had no eyes. This didn't. I don't know how how nice this society is to the disabled. That's a good point. Yeah, they do. They do seem to hate a lot of people for no reason. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, so, I absolutely believe that if they can't if they can't work, you know, therefore if you can't see and you can't run, yeah, they're not going to last long. They'll probably just yep. walk you off the honor chasm or something. Yep, just put him in the chull feed and we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they can figure out how to get you to run a bridge, even if you can't see. Well, wouldn't that be irony if Gaz ends up in a bridge crew somehow? That would be fun. You don't you, you don't want that. That's that's like a guard going to prison. It's not going to go well for you, I guess. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he says, don't try to get extra food at the mess hall for your wounded. You will be refused. And he takes off. And then Callum's just like, oh, geez, like they don't, they don't starve us, but they don't give us enough that I can split it between myself and three other people. So he goes up to some of the men in his bridge crew. And he's like, yeah, Gaz says that the wounded can't have food or pay. And some of them are like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what they expected. And so he's like. We can show them if we pool our resources, we can get food and medicine for the wounded and we'll prove to everyone that, like, we're worth something. And all the other guys are like, yeah, right. They walk off. Anytime he's tried to bring up something, it's always this Moash guy who is the first one to say, get fucked. Uh, you're absolutely right. Like, what's this guy's problem? (laughs) Is this because is this because Kaladin punched him that one time? It probably I, I feel like that's half of it, right? Yeah, Okay. And so as they start to laugh at him and walk away, he's like, next time it could be you. What are you going to do when you're the one who needs to be healed? And Moash goes, I'll die out on the field quickly rather than back here over a week's time, which I don't know how quickly it's going to be if they leave you out there because you have an arrow in your leg and you can't walk back. Like uh, you'll have to like die of dehydration after a couple. Like that's pretty horrifying. Yeah, I guess maybe you could crawl yourself over and throw yourself off the cliff, but into the chasm. And so everybody leaves except for Rock, the beefy tower-like horn eater, is like, hey, I don't have any money. Already spent all that, but I'll give some of my food, but only for the guy with the arrow in his leg. He he'll he he could get better. The other one, he will die, is certain. And I have no pity for man who sits there not doing anything. If he but dies, hey. he dies. Is human condition. <laughs> we got we got something. Like Rock is willing to contribute. Yeah yeah, it's a. It, again, he's he's not a perfect character, but he's but he does have a heart. Yeah, more so than any of these other guys. Although what he says is, I owe you because you took my place out there, and if you hadn't done that, I'd be dead. And Kaladin's like, dude, I was standing there, and I'm not dead. You would have been fine. And Rock's like, no, no, no. Something's weird about you. Everyone can see it. I looked at the bridge where you were. Arrows hit all around you, beside your head, never hit you. And Kaladin's like, eh, it's just luck. He's like, no, no, is no such thing as luck. Besides. There is Mafaliki who always follows you and then points at Sill or bows to Sill. Just how fucking casually he just throws out there. It's like, yeah, I've been able to see her the whole time. Hi there. (laughs) And they're both just like, 
fucking what? Yeah, like, Kaladin's like, wait, you can see her? And Syl is also like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, uh, yeah, I, I am Ala-I-Iku. And Kaladin's like, well, what does that mean? And he's just like, airsick lowlanders, is there nothing proper you know? And then he explains to Kaladin that of all of the bridges that were shot at yesterday, their bridge took the fewest casualties, which is a thing that never happens. Bridge four never loses the fewest men. Everyone knows that. And so at some point, Colin is like, okay, it's just luck, but I'm not going to argue with him because he's this is he's on my side because of this. So we're just going to run with it. And so he has to figure out something, some way to do something about this. And then he gets the idea. He goes to Gaz and he says, Gaz, look, I can't have you hating me and everyone everyone being pissed at us because of what we did. Let me do something about this. And so he offers to trade their current duty, which I think we decide we did discover is washing pots or something. You're going to trade that for stone gathering duty, which is apparently one of the hardest of the extra duties that the bridge crews do. Where they have to go out and they get a bunch of rocks because the soul casters feed the army by turning rocks into grain. And it's easy. It's easier for them if they are distinct and separate stones and not just like a big section of rock. Why? Who knows? But that's the way it is. Magic. Yeah, exactly. And so Rock is like, okay, um, everyone's going to hate that. Why exactly are you doing this? This is not how you make friends, Kaladin. Yeah, it's, it's true. You are crazy, aren't you? And he goes, <laughs> maybe. And then Kaladin's like, we need more help. Another bridge crew? No, no. I mean that we, you and I, need at least one more guy to help us out. Because, yeah, if if you get enough food that you can split your food with one other guy, then – Rock is willing to split his food with one guy. Kaladin's willing to split his food with one guy. We still need a third guy. There's three injured. And we go after Teft, who we also met previously helping uh, Kaladin help wounded people. And as they approach Teft, he's just like, I like my food, son. Hardly think they feed me enough for one man, let alone two. And Kaladin's like, yeah, okay. I need you, not your food, you, your loyalty, your allegiance. And Teft, I think, has a really interesting response to that. Where he's like, I've given my loyalty before. It always works out the same. And Kaladin is like, your trust gets betrayed. As if like Kaladin has experience with that outcome. And he's like, what? No, no, I betray it. You can't depend on me. I belong here as a bridgeman. So, geez, that kind of begs the question of what the hell, what's this guy's story? I'm, I, I want to know that now. Mm, yeah, this doesn't really bode well. <laughs> Like, Kaladin, do you really want the guy on your team who says something like that? No, the guy who openly says, I can't be trusted, sounds like, you know what? That sounds like a great guy to trust. <laughs> we saw how this worked with Littlefinger. <laughs> but to be fair, he's like, look, I depended on you yesterday and you impressed me. And he's like, yeah, that was a fluke. Teft, we're all broken in one way or another. Otherwise, we wouldn't be Bridgman. My own brother died because of me. So I failed plenty. And he's like, so why do you keep caring? It's either that or give up and die. And Teft says, what if death is the better? And Kaladin says, no, death isn't better. It's easy to say that, but, you know. And Teft is just like, yeah, okay. And that's when, uh, like, he, he's in. I get to keep my food? And Kaladin says, yeah, he's like, all right, I'm in then. And Teft and Rock introduce themselves to each other, and Kaladin realizes, all right, like, until I forced them all to tell me their names, like, nobody knew anybody's name. And Teft's like, what kind of name is Rock? And Rock says, is a stupid one, but at least it has meaning. Does your name mean anything? And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Rock is not my real name. It's just what lowlanders can pronounce. Well, what's your real name? You won't be able to say it. And then we find out that his real name is... Let's, uh, anyone want to try it? 
uh, Numu Huku Makiaki Aya Lunamore. Which rock isn't even in there? How the fuck to get rock out of that? That's pre- pretty good. <laughs> You're right that yeah, rock isn't short for that that we can tell. But I mean, we don't know what language that is. Maybe that literally means rock. Hmm. Uh, I uh, I'm not going to try it because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> but I um I was listening to the the audio book for these chapters and yeah, all I could think of was the humu humu whatever is the Hawaii thing the the fish. Yes. Yep. Yes. And I was like, oh, it's like that. And then, like, he said what he said. And I was like, yeah, cool. That's, <laughs> we're going to call you Rock. Yep, that makes a lot more sense. See, I I know that fish because it was uh, – it appears in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation on, like, a computer screen. And then I used to play the Star Trek customizable card game, and it had a card with that fish on it that said that name of the fish, which is – let me see if I can remember. It's Humu Humu Nuku Nuku Uapua A. Is the name of the fish. And so uh, that sticks in my head because of that card from the card game that I played. But yeah, it's uh, like, yeah, whatever okay. rocks that is exactly the, that's, <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking of. And I'm like, that's just your name now. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is very similar. So yeah, whatever rocks languages, it reminds me of like, I guess what native Hawaiian sounds like. I don't know that many words <laughs> from Hawaiian, but yeah. So you were thinking of him as Russian, but now I'm thinking of him as like a big Samoan guy. I mean, that works too. Let me see. I've done Michelle the wearing a t-shirt that says, I was once one of the once-war warriors. <laughs> the name is Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore. There you go. That'll prove to all of you out there. I can do it. It's fine. Like, well, I've been thinking of him as Ivan Drago all this time. Turns out he's actually more like Korg. <laughs> hey. Hey, 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 bro. Uh, you, you, you better not give that guy your food. I'll give him my food, eh? <laughs> okay, yeah, no. I mean, no. it fits with the name Rock. <laughs> You're right, it does. Wow. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm gonna imagine him like that, and it's y'all's fault. It's not cool. <laughs> uh, our bridge leader has a plan. Something glorious and daring. It has something to do with spending our afternoon moving stones in the heat. And Kaladin says we need to gather a certain kind of plant, a reed that grows in small patches outside camp. Which hey, we've heard about the reeds that he saw out there in a previous chapter. We need some sap. Yep. See, they were, they, he was told that each one gives you just one drop of this stuff. But I guess you get enough of them. That's a lot of drops. And that brings us to, I didn't even realize until I looked at the title of our last chapter, Eyes, Hands, or Spheres, which is about a wit joke, uh, a rather crude joke that wit makes at some point. He doesn't hold back. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> So the uh, the epilogue, the epigraph rather here is in case you've turned a blind eye to that disaster, referring to Race's visit to Cell, know that Aona and Sky are both dead, and that which they held has been splintered, presumably to prevent anyone from rising up to challenge Race. I wonder why those two specifically was, is Cell just the closest planet to? This is a good question. Actually, where's Although, that? How do you know that, that, that they were the first ones? That's a good point. So Aona and Sky. Aona's gazes, yeah. Yeah, there you go. We have Aeon, yep. Aeons or Seons uh, on the the one side and the Skays or Skaze, however you say it, on the other. So there we go. Easy to tell where how these two names fit in with what we saw on Cell. So I don't know. Had we heard their names before? I don't this? believe so. Okay. Seems so the first. first time that we hear the who the holders of devotion and dominion were, but uh, apparently they are dead. So who cares? We cut back to Dalinar two days after the uh, the vision that we saw in the high storm, and they're heading for the king's feasting basin. That sounds dirty. 
Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, it's, and it's a very odd, like, setup from the way it's described, but we'll get there, I guess. It just sounds unhygienic. So, like, <laughs> I just, I'm just imagining the king and all, and all the high princes eating out of a trough. A trough, right, exactly. Like, like a bunch of pigs. <laughs> and Adolin has been to three more leather workers, and everyone has a different opinion. Everyone says it was cut, but, like, how worn out it was beforehand, how natural or unnatural the cut is... We don't know. And Dalinar says, okay, well, that's all the evidence we have that even hints about something weird. I'll talk to Elokar and see if uh, there's any other leads he'd like us to run down. So the king has his feast outdoors at the foot of the palace hill. The feast basin had been flooded, turning it into a shallow artificial lake, like the pure lake, he says. I don't love that they a river to do this. It just seems really ignorant of the area. Yeah. Cool, guys. They don't care. They uh, they just want their meals to look cool, I guess, which, yeah, that's not yeah. <laughs> not great. Nope. And so, yeah, they have circular dining, raised dining platforms, like little islands in the water. And you have to be, you know, cer- only certain people are cool enough to visit certain islands. Like the king has his own island that you can only visit if you're invited or if you're like a high prince or whatever. Sometimes little boats sail past bearing infused gemstones. So it's very dramatic looking. Like a lot of, um, yeah, noble-born wankery. And so as part of the codes, Dalinar says to his kids, one cup of blue, after that, keep to the orange. And Adolin's like, oh, come on. can't. Nope, you're going to stick to the codes. So whatever that means, um, blue and orange. That, that whole thing about not getting drunk in a battle, in a potential war situation. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the only thing that it, in the codes that yeah. we saw that could apply, right? Yeah. Yeah. I took it as you could have one drink and then that's it. Yeah. And, you know, Dalinar has very personal reasons for adhering to that one. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, honestly, uh, we don't know how regular it was for him to be super drunk at parties. Maybe that was an exception and now he's fighting against it. Or maybe he was an alcoholic and he's recovering and he's like, no, let's keep away from too much drinking. Like it could be that or anywhere in between those two extremes. Man, if he's a recovering alcoholic, the fact that he's even he's even saying to his sons, you can have one is a hell of a step because, I mean, I don't know many recovering alcoholics, but I know there's like a lot of them are just like no booze around me at all mm. for, fear of a, for fear of a relapse. Could be difficult in this society. I don't know. True. I thought so. Uh, I thought that like Gavilar and Dalinar were both following the codes. I know Dalinar sort of took them a little bit more seriously after he died, but. I thought he was kind of already following the codes at that point. They seemed to both be really interested in it. I'm surprised that he was completely wasted the night that Gavilar was killed. Well, we know that he says the last word, the last thing his brother said to him were like, follow the codes tonight. There's something strange on the winds or whatever. And I think we get mm. the impression in that chapter that Dalinar's like, yeah, back then I didn't really think, I, I thought the codes were kind of dumb. So yeah. I, I feel I like the impression like we've gotten is it's, it's since his death. Yeah, okay. The way Adeline spoke, I guess it's been a few years though. Yeah. Six years or whatever it is. So when Adeline's, Adeline sort of spoke about it, I was like, well, you've grown up this way, but I guess their adult lives, they probably have grown up that way. Yeah. The way Adeline talks about it is just like, oh man, we've had to follow these forever. Come on. So, like, okay, so the genders eat on different islands, but uh, on the central islands, they can mingle. Soul cast food is inherently bland, but the king's lavish feasts always served imported spices and exotic meats. Dalinar could smell roasting pork in the air and even chickens. 
It had been a long time since he'd been served meat from one of the strange shin flying creatures. They have proper flying chickens? That's what it sounds like. And apparently it's quite a delicacy to get these chickens in here. I mean, chicken's pretty great. I know people always <laughs> make the joke that like, everything tastes like chicken, but a good roast chicken, fucking top notch. Yeah, you know, well, I, I think with the roast chicken, <laughs> mostly it's like what kind of spices or seasoning you use on it that really gives it. I guess you can say that about any meat, though. Well, that's you're not wrong. Yeah. The shin culture, though, is that is that from Roshar or is that somewhere else? I feel like we've heard that before. Yeah, because that's, uh, that's uh, where Seth is from. Yep. Oh, it is that. OK, yeah, that's right, that's yeah. where that that's way over the western edge of the continent, whereas we're on the eastern. Yeah. OK. I was thinking like pre this book, we'd heard that, too, but. Uh, yeah, and, and that's sort of interesting that you've got, like, chickens and pigs and stuff to, to have, you know, what we would consider, like, normal food, I guess. And then you've got chulls and chasm fiends. Like, how, <laughs> how is it so different? <laughs> right? Well, and then in the next paragraph, it's like a guy walks by carrying a tray of orange crab legs. So clearly they also eat crab. Yeah, again, real normal. Yeah. Surf and turf, baby. <laughs> So yes, he goes to the King's Island, where you have to you have to be fancy to be able to eat on the King's Island. And uh, at the at the end of the bridge to the King's Island is Wit, actually dressed as a light eye should, in a stiff black uniform, silver sword at his waist. And Wit is sitting on a tall stool, insulting everyone who walks by. Some of the insults are hilarious. Some of them are, I think, less so. But I love the fact that later in the chapter, like Dallin, I was like, he must have stolen that stool. <laughs> yeah, from like the, the the women's island or whatever. Yep. Just so he can be taller than everyone. <laughs> yep. I'd be like, how good it is to see you. Your your face reminds me of someone dear to me. And the guy's like, really? Yes, my horse. <laughs> just, just imagine he's he's brought someone with a drum kit to sit behind and just go. Ba-dum, yeah, exactly. Uh, my I think my very favorite one is, ah, my dear bright lord, Tesselin, still engaged in your experiment to prove a maximum threshold of human idiocy. Good for you. Very empirical of you. Of course you enjoy the statistical insult. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Donner's like, Wit, do you have to? To what? Eyes, hands, or spheres? I'd lend you the first, but by definition, a man can only have one eye, which is a it's a joke that comes across better in writing than in hearing, probably. Yeah, I imagine it's I as in I am, like the letter I. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's right. You listen, like This is the audiobook, so... Yeah, but I figured out you've got one eye. Okay, because it's eye, not yeah, E-Y-E. Yeah. Yeah. I'm quite attached to both of my spheres, you see. Or, well, you can't see. Would you like to? And he starts to reach for his belt. That's so um, crude. It's so <laughs> crude. And Dom has like, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he, he even says, like, I'm sorry, this lot brings out the basest humor in me. It does seem like, considering the first time we met Wit in this book, Dal and I was like, fuck this guy. They seem to be getting along a bit better here. I think Wit actually generally likes Dalinar and is just tr- is trying to be amiable to him. I mean, he never insults Dalinar. Yeah. No, that's right. He nodded to Dalinar and sort of skipped over him and went on his way about insulting people. But it, like, even Dalinar's hostility isn't quite as much. I know he said earlier, it's like, maybe he's not as bad as I thought, but it seems right. like, uh, considering how hostile he was at the start, this is a this is still like a hell of a leap. Yeah, I agree. But here he's like, hey, you know what? I see a, a fine man in you. And he's like, yeah, yes, he tasted quite delicious, Dalinar. <laughs> speak of your fears at the mirror a few times when you get home tonight. There are rumors about. Did you really speak of abandoning the Vengeance Pact? Dalinar's like, that was just between me and the king. 
Well, he must have spoken to it of, of, of it to others. This lot are cowards, and no doubt that makes them feel like experts on the subject, for they've certainly been calling you that a great deal lately. And then he's a Stormfather. No, I'm Wit, but I understand how easy a mistake that is to make. And then Dalinar gets, like, despite Dalinar being upset, he gets in some some insults of his own. Like, oh, because you blow so much air? Or because you make so much noise? And Wit just ate it up. He's like, hey, that was fucking good, man. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Uh I wonder if I wonder if because he's technically insulting people in, for, in, by proxy for the king, right? So if you insult Wit, are you insulting the king? Is that why nobody else does it? Could be. But then if you kill Wit, are you killing the king? Is that why you can't do it publicly? Uh, well, you can. You just have to forfeit your lands and titles. Yeah, yeah. I, my second favorite one of the section is where he's like, "Oh man, if you continue to make my job this easy." Uh, I fear my mind shall become as dull as Bright Lord Tumul's. Oh, Bright Lord Tumul, how unexpected it is to see you standing there. Uh, and then he, two people come by. And he's like, OK, I'm not going to insult you this once because of your recent wedding. But uh, I really kind of want to because that hat you're wearing. Hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I like the where he's talking about Bright Lord Tumul. Like, and he's like, oh, I didn't mean to insult your stupidity. It's spectacular and worthy of praise. I'm like, All right, I like that one. Yep. Yep. And then Lady Navani. How long have you been back in the plains, and how did I not notice the smell? So even the king's mother is not immune to insults. Maybe that's another reason why I'm just like, I don't know if we can trust him. Like, you know, Wit doesn't insult Dalinar, and he seems to have a soft spot for Renarin, but but Navani, even she's just like, uh, nah, man, you're you're not safe from Wit. He he throws, you know, some some friendly insults at Adolin as well, and uh, but Adolin more like takes them in stride, it seems like, when we saw him before. Which I think yeah. Navani also does here, where she she just like retaliates immediately. Like obviously your own stench overpowered mine. That's true. And then he he makes a stupid crack about no assassins. I've got too much ass sass of my own. Which uh, yeah, that one was a stretch. She she even says like I thought that kind of humor was beneath you. And that's when he points like everyone. So are you technically because he's up on top of his eye stool. I just love wit scenes. It's hard not to just quote every single bit of it because they're so fun. <laughs> yeah. And so Dalinar, shocked that Navani has returned, we get a long spiel of how elegant he thinks that she looks, which I was getting over most of. And then, fool, he thought, your brother's widow. With Gavilar dead, Navani was now to be treated as Dalinar's sister. So I guess that's how that works in this society. All right. I mean, you know. And so he tries to take off. Not only does he try to take off and not have to talk to Navani, but he wants to eat really slowly because as long as he's eating, it would be a breach of etiquette for Navani to approach him. I, there's a note there which we just sort of skip, which I want to come back. It's okay. when he's talking about his own wife, like dead these ten, ten years, wiped by his foolishness from his mind. So that sounds mm-hmm. like like he knows why he can't remember her. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? I need to know about this. Stop, like, stop being vague about this. Well, because we were talking previously about it. Is it something deliberately? Like, did he have his mind wiped or yeah. did he just forget or have like, the, yeah, was, like, the high storms like made him forget? Yeah. It's like by his foolishness. Okay, dude, what did you do? Yeah, it definitely sounds like something he did caused this. Whether he intentionally, like, did something to cause this or if he did something that incidentally caused this. Yeah, we still don't know. But clearly it's not... He's just getting old and has dementia or something. Yeah. Like, imagine that Reddit post. Today I fucked up by doing something. Now I can't remember my wife. Oh, yeah. Okay. That would be. Oh, I skipped. I skipped another bit of wit that I like where he's like, do you know any words that rhyme with biscumber? Which is 
when he's trying to elevate his diction in insults. And I had to go and look up Biscumber because I've never heard that word before this. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? Because I don't know either. Uh, it's well, here, I'll I'll pull it up again so I don't get it wrong. But it's it's basically like it says to discharge or door or dung upon. Oh, so he's talking about shitting on people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I guess he is up high. and uh, Let's not pursue that any further. And then after that, I had to look up the word Ordor because I was like, well, what what is that? And the definition that comes up for Ordor is excrement or dung. And I'm like, well, why did the previous definition say Ordor or dung? Like, I don't. <laughs> what makes this dung so special? <laughs> it needs a different name. Uh, anyway, so, yes, that's. Uh, so if you ever want to elevate your diction when insulting people, there you go. Audience, Biscumber. Uh, so we, the food is real good. We find out the, the food at Elkar's party, parties is always great. He's up there. Sadius is like having a conversation with him. Sadius has the king's ear. That's what you want. And we see High Prince Royon, which Dalinar thinks is the first of the High Princes he's going to approach and try to convince to work with him. So that's still to come. He's still making plans. He looks over and sees Navani, who has pulled out a uh, a device. It says that we find out, I guess, sorry, before that, we find out that women's food is different. He says that he tried... As a boy, he secretly tried women's food once out of curiosity and found it distastefully sweet. So women and men get separate food prepared for them, and the women get sweet food, and the men get, I guess, more spiced food based on what we were hearing about, like, him saying the king always has, like, spiced meats and things. They're poor cooks. They're constantly having to prepare two separate meals. Yeah, right? And you got to make sure that they, each each meal makes it to the right side of the room. The poor white stuff. Jesus. <laughs> But she pulls out a device It says about the size of a fist with a large infused ruby at the center. It has leg-like protrusions, vaguely crustacean. And he thinks I've never. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, what else would they make it like? Yeah, right. I've never seen a fabrial like that before. Navani was a renowned artifabrian. Perhaps this device was. And then she catches him looking at her and he's like, oh, damn it. And then here comes Adolin saying, Father, have you heard what they're saying? I've fought three duels so far against men who describe you and our house as cowards. They're saying you asked the king to abandon the vengeance pact. And he's just like, uh, yeah, I really thought Elokar would have the sense to keep that to himself, but apparently not. And then he explains to Adolin, like, what actually happened, where, yes, I started this way, and then I kind of changed to let's actually win this war. And Adolin's like, oh, okay. And Dalin's like, what, really? That's it? I mean, you asked me to trust you besides like hitting the, our enemy harder. That's a tactic I can get behind. Let's let's do that. And Dalinar establishes like if, if it's going to work, we have to get the high princes working together. And I'm going to start by trying to get one or two of them to pool resources for plateau assaults. You know, start out working together small and get bigger. And Aelin's like, why don't you just fight a duel? Like that'll make people back off. Remind everyone what a mistake it is to insult the Blackthorn. And he says, now nah, the codes forbid it for one of my stature. Adolin probably shouldn't be dueling either, but dueling was his whole life. I mean, we find out that that's like dueling is like what he chose as his life's purpose, basically. So you can't exactly forbid it all. His calling, was it? Yeah, calling. Exactly. Dueling was his life. Well, that and the women he courted. <laughs> that's that's all Adolin's got going for him. He duels people and courts women. You know, uh, uh, have I told you the story about the king carrying the boulder? Adolin's like, yes, twice. And you made me listen to it being read another time. It's like, oh, well, after that, there's another passage about forcing people to follow you versus letting them follow you. It's It, it makes a difference. You're just going to have to trust me. And he's like, wait, is that Aunt Navani? And he looks up and he realizes 
while talking to Adolin, he ate the last bite of his food unintentionally, and now Navani can come over and talk to him. And so Dalinar, he's, he's got to keep them on a certain footing. So he calls her Mathana, the formal term for an older sister, even though she's only three months older than him. And Adolin's excited. He's like, hey, when did you get back? Just this afternoon. And Dalinar's like, why did you come back? Which that's very polite. Thank you. She was supposed to be aiding the queen in protecting their interests back in Alethkar. And then Navani's like, oh, come on. Don't be so so stiff. Adolin, how does courtship going? And Dalinar says he continues to change partners like he's in a dance that involves par- particularly quick music. Which, while clearly true, is um, an embarrassing moment for Adolin. Bit brutal. Yeah. But Navani's like, good for you. You're too young to get tied down. Experience variety while it's still interesting. And then she looks at Dalinar and says, it isn't until we get older that we should be forced to be boring. Which I think is a dig of some kind, but I'm not sure exactly which kind. Well, we find out, like, Dalinar and Navani kind of had a thing. But she mm-hmm. went up ditching him for his brother. Or, like, she was yep. playing the brothers off against each other. So I'm just like, man, that's really cruel to say to him, given their history. Well, yeah, and that's, like, that's one of the possibilities I was thinking. It's like, well, now I'm interested here because I'm old enough that the boring brother is the one who's interesting. Or is she more saying, like, Dalinar has become boring in his older age? Either way is mean, but... Yeah. Maybe she wanted to play them off, sort of, against each other a little longer, but was forced to settle down. Regret the way it went, which is still not great. Don't 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 be that person. That's that's mean. But yeah, maybe she reckons she chose the wrong brother or something. I don't know. So Navani has a, a a serving girl bring a chair, a stool that so she sits a few feet away from the table because sitting any more at the masculine dining table would be inappropriate. You can't sit at the king's table, and she's still kind of sitting a little closer than is quite r- proper, but. Uh, she does it anyway. Elokar notices and clearly does not approve, but one did not reprove Navani Kulin, not even if one were king. I mean, yeah. Are you going to try to tell your mom what to do? Good luck. Uh, she says she has three reasons to return. First of all, the Vedans. The Vedans are Shalon's people, the people of Yaakoved. Vedanar is their capital, so that's who we're talking about here. They have developed half shards, which are shields capable of Stopping blows from a shard blade. He's like, Put, That's seriously? a hell of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen one? And she says, no, but I have confirmation from someone I trust. Right now, they can only make them shield-shaped, and they don't have any of the other enhancements that plate can provide. But blocking a shard blade is a huge, huge change to the status quo. And he says, well, okay, that that's important, but you could have sent that via span read. And she says that she realized after reaching Kolinar that leaving here had been a mistake. The war camps are the true center of our kingdom more and more. And he's like, well, yeah, but the whole the whole reason you left was because our the whole everyone being absent from our homeland is dangerous also. And I have determined that the queen is sufficiently endowed with the res- requisite skills needed to hold Alethkar. And she like they start talking about Elokar and she's like, he's not very good at this, is he? And Dalinar's like, what? No, Elokar's a good man. He has more integrity than any other light eyes in the army. And he doesn't want to say anything bad. In fact, he tells her, I'm not going to hear ill spoken of him, even by his own mother. He has both my sword and my heart. And she's like, look, I'm not speaking ill of him. We both know I'm also loyal to him, but I got to know what I'm working with. He's seen as weak, and I intend to see him protected despite himself if necessary. So this could be a situation where we can't trust her, 
but like Sadius, like they have a mutual interest in keep seeing the king protected. If she's telling the truth here, I guess. I mean, what she's saying about Elikar from what we've seen isn't exactly inaccurate. Dude's not exactly the greatest king. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier for me to believe that she and Dalinar have this in common than it is to believe that Dalinar and Sadius do because she's Elikar's mom. So I believe that she's like, I care about him. Yeah. She still could be lying. We've seen that plenty of times in, in history and fantasy where, you know, family doesn't prevent you from uh, wanting to kill somebody. But I don't know, we'll see. And uh, she tells Dalinar, we need to talk in private. I want to hear your opinion on some of the things being said in camp. And he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, you know. And she's like, yeah, OK, well, I don't care. One week from today. Good. Good. Great. We'll do it in a public place. OK. And then Elokar stands up to make an announcement. I'm sure you've all heard about what happened on the hunt where my saddle girth was cut. Uh, I was never in any real danger. But I think we should look into this sort of thing. So I'm appointing Bright Lord Torol Sadius, High Prince of Information. So apparently the High Prince of Information is like the guy who looks into stuff uh, matters. The guy in charge of law, legal stuff, especially as it relates to stuff that the king is interested in. So Sadius just got a very important job. And Dalinar is like, he thinks I'm ignoring threats to him. So he's looking to Sadius instead. And she's like, well, I mean, I guess that's fine. I kind of trust Sadius. He's like, no, you don't understand. The incident happened on a hunt I planned under the protection of my guards, and everyone knows that he publicly that he asked me to look into the strap stuff, and now he's just taken that investigation away from me. So publicly, it looks like the king suspects that Dalinar has tried to kill him. And I love her reaction. Like, you still argue he isn't a bad king? My poor, distracted, oblivious boy. And like Elokar's just like, oh, Dalinar, yeah, I assume that you want to help Sadius out. This is great. And he's like, I thought we decided that the High Prince thing was going to be too dangerous. And Elkar's like, well, High Prince of War, yeah. And Sadius agreed with me that they'll never stand for that. But if we start with something less threatening, like High Prince of Information, then, you know. So Sadius has outmaneuvered Dalinar brilliantly, he thinks. It's, it is it is a very important threaten, position, threatening position, but it won't look as important as High Prince of War to the others. It does leave High Prince of War still open, potentially, for Dalinar. It's potentially. True. Yeah. Except for the other the bits. I reckon Elikar has no idea that it looks like oh, how this will be perceived by everyone else, but Sadius knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, and Dalinar is worried that Sadius may have found a way to take him out of the game, basically, because uh, Elikar's like, I'm, you'll, I'm, probably you'll be vindicated and telling me that I'm not in as much danger as I think I am. And Dalinar's like, vindicated. Yeah, somehow I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Elikar's pretty clueless. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's the end of our chapters. Uh, we are now, according to my Kindle, 34% of the way through the book, so we've just passed the one-third mark. Uh, I don't know if that's encouraging or discouraging to people at this point, but there you go. It is the big book, what can I say? They all big books. Yep, you are not, we like uh, our, you are not, not wrong. We like our thick books here. <laughs> As we've said before. I haven't done it in a while, but let's just re- remind her, thick books. We had, we had a post on, on our Facebook, I feel like, not that long ago about it. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so predigments. What do you guys think? Now we've seen some interesting developments. The King's Mom is back. Sadius is a high prince of information. Kaladin has a plan to get some disinfectant. So what do you guys think? Where where are things going? What's going to happen? Oh, boy. What's going to happen next? I... I reckon the strap was cut, 
for Elikar's horse, his saddle, and mm-hmm. I reckon Sadius is behind it. Ooh. He now can sort of get Dalinar out of the way a little bit, especially in terms of investigation and information. If you were if you were actually behind the assassination attempt, then this is exactly where you'd want to be, right? Pretty much the right-hand man controlling the information going to the king. We've kind of been in the do we trust him, don't we trust him camp, but this move at the end of the day I think sort of proves that he is out for himself there maybe oh yes he and he was also at the uh the hunt as well so he might not have organized it or anything like that but perhaps it's orchestrated to look like it was all organized by Dalinar's men and Sadius was just there you know a witness saw it happen I don't know I don't trust him anymore not that I (laughs) super trusted him to begin with I think he he's in it for himself not necessarily in it for the good of the king or the kingdom the hard bit now is that Dalinar is going to be getting this this whole trust Sadius message, which I don't. That's going to be very hard to to do. So, not sure how that's going to go down. I think mm, maybe Sil's been around a little bit before, so we know there's something else going on with Kaladin. Sil seems to know a lot about other people. Maybe. Maybe Syl has had some kind of interactions with Dalinar in the past. Like she seems to know Kaladin like pretty well and seems to have been around Kaladin for a while, but maybe maybe it's not her first time like that. Like she's not just a just a windspring. Maybe there's there's some other people. So I think Syl's information base might become quite useful. I don't know. I still think it's somehow Kaladin and Dalinar's lines are going to have to cross somewhere. And I, I just, I can't quite tell what's going to be the, the catalyst to bring them together. I thought maybe the bridge crews might do it, but he's in Sadius's army, so that doesn't appear to be working out for anyone. Sadius is pretty much like, that's your position. You stay there. I'm not looking after your sick people because mm. he's just a swell guy. Um <laughs> <laughs> He's not done very much to, to win my favour this this uh this week. But I, I don't know how they're gonna get together. I'm sort of hoping that Syl is involved or knows something more about what's happening to Dalinar that brings them together. Don't really know how it's gonna work out, but kind of all I've got really this week. Clutching at straws. So what, one thing you said got me a little bit curious. So you're like maybe she's not just a wind sprint, so it then what? Like what? 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 What are the other options that you're thinking? Well, I, I don't know because the, the wind spreads seem to be like a little bit mischievous and kind of go away and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the fact that yeah. like Rock knows who she is, like it, it is, it seems to be quite familiar with it. Like, is he? Is he? I, like everyone else can see yeah. wind spread and things. Yeah. What's What's different about Sil? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know enough about the the other magical creatures and spren and and yeah the the laws that go with different cultures and I don't know I don't know it's really hard one to answer at the moment some kind of spirit like guide or something I, I I don't know we know that she can't remember kind of what came before really other than at least according to her she has like just some vague impressions from before she started like talking to Kaladin more or less. So 
maybe like some of the ideas she have about Dalinar came from before that. And that's why it's, it doesn't seem like solid. Like I heard this there, but uh, yeah. Okay. No, I, I, you have some interesting thoughts. Yeah. I, I think she's got something to do with the, the good luck thing, even if Kaladin couldn't necessarily see her before. I think she's probably made an impression on Kaladin's life at some point. And I don't know whether it's a, you know, you're almost like stuffing out if a person is is worthy or something. I I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll come to come back to this in a few weeks or maybe a few books, depending on (laughs) (laughs) on how fast we get information. How things go. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Sounds sounds like a plan to me. Okay. So both mine sort of. I got two predictions. Both sort of revolve around Dalinar this time. First off, like the visions that Dalinar's getting, like, he's taking them to mean he needs to trust Sadius, but they never say trust Sadius. They're all saying stuff like trust the system. And here, Sadius's manipulations have brought the ministry system back, which is ultimately what Dalinar wanted, but it made his immediate position unstable. So I think what Dalinar needs to learn how to do is he needs to manipulate Sadius into doing what Dalinar wants him to do and play the political game. So make himself appear politically weak, which is where he basically already is because people think, you know, the people saying, oh, you know, he's tried to get rid of the Vengeance Pact. He's he's going crazy. He's having these visions. So Dalinar needs to sort of exploit that and get Sadius to do what he wants him to do while making while making Sadius think it'll make like Dalinar's position even weaker. Mm. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, it's going to come down to he has to sacrifice his his positioning to get the system as a whole back on track. Effectively, he's going to need to martyr himself politically in order to unite them. So that's it sucks for him, but that seems to be what the visions are driving at, I think. So that that's that's prediction number one. Prediction number two is about Dalinar and Syl. So I think that they are both affected by the storms. Like Dalinar's getting his visions from there, and Syl is growing, and she's had conversations with Kaladin. It's like I don't know why I'm changing what like what's going on with me. I shouldn't be having these thoughts and ideas. This isn't right. So I think that she is somehow affected by the storms and is getting, I don't know, stronger or whatever, whatever, whatever word you want to use as a result of those. But because the, the, the both of them are affected by the storms, they're sort of tapped into the shard power that's in the storms. And so that's why Syl knows so much about Dalinar and talks about him and has heard stuff about him because they're both connected to the shard power in that way. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so it's like it's like a conduit that they're they're both connected to, and so they can feel each other to some extent. Although we haven't heard him reference something like her, but I, he's got I, other things on his mind. He does. He has some very serious uh, vision things happening. Yeah, he he might he might not even realize it. It might just be a subconscious thing because her mind operates differently. She's able to put together uh, put it all together much more cohesively. But yeah. I think they're linking some way through the sto- through the storms and the fact they're both being affected by the shard power within. Hmm. If they're connected to each other through the storm, could the visions be coming from her? Maybe. Does she realize she's sending them? Maybe not. Who knows? Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole lot of mesoph- metaphysical shit going on through this, and I, I don't have the uh, intelligence to unpack it all properly, but that's where I think it's all headed. We don't know how old Spren are. Maybe maybe these are like memories that she's uh, that he's living that she has maybe she's been around for a long time could be or maybe spren have a life cycle of like two years and she's not going to live long who knows i mean maybe but like also you know 
like what happens to Sprint? Do they die or do they become part of some other shard of use power? Like mm. it could be she was once a shard blade. I don't know. Interesting. That'd be funny. Like the power that makes her up made up. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe so, a shard blade got broken, created a whole bunch of random Sprint, and she just happened to be one of them or something. I don't know. It's like how we're all made from star stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm following. I just. W- Sorry, in, in that discussion, something random occurred to me. So we've got we've got Syl suffering from not being able to remember anything or much of anything from before a certain point. We have Dalinar, who also very conspicuously has missing memories. Hmm. Do could, shard be, power. could that be That's related something. to the shard or to each other in some way? Could be. I mean, Dalinar's one, as we talked about, seems to be like, it seems like a, a specific act did his. Mm-hmm. So was there a specific act that did Sills as well? So who knows? Mm. Maybe more information. Sil is Dalinar's. Maybe Sill is Dalinar's missing memories manifested to her. Oh, oh shit! I thought you were about to say maybe Sill is Dalinar's wife. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say wife, but maybe the the memories of the wife. Interesting. Yeah. That, okay. I like that. Could that could be cool. Yeah. So for Dalinar to get his memories back, he needs to eat Sill. <laughs> Well, there's a prediction. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, okay. That's straight. That's going straight to the volcano. <laughs> and you thought chickens were going to be the weirdest thing that got eaten in this place. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, to be fair, I feel like if Spren is so, so omnipresent on this planet, surely someone out there has tried to eat them so far. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know if they if you can like even catch one. Like, I don't think we've seen, like, let alone cook one. I mean, we we've seen, we saw some that are like are like the flame spren dance around as like little sparks in a fire. I don't know that you could cook a flame spren. <laughs> you get, like the 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 next Kaladin flashback is going to be Liren dealing with uh, some some member of the town who's like his family have brought him in because he's gone crazy. And it's like all he does is just chase spren around and try and eat him. What like what can we do, Doc? We can't even see them. Like we don't. Like is he actually trying to eat them or is he just trying to eat things he can see that no one else can? Like, yeah, well, you know, it could be either, really. The spren work in mysterious ways. Maybe you could, like, accidentally eat a spren, like, if you accidentally swallow a bug or something. Ooh. Could happen. Cool. I what mean, if, there's, there's got to be water sprens, so. What if they're already spren inside you? Like, there's, like, stomach acid spren. You just don't see them. They're just hanging out in there. <laughs> Digest, digestive we're all, spren. We're all spren. We're just made <laughs> up of spren. Yeah, there you go. Okay, we've we've gotten into down a really weird rabbit hole on that one. That's uh, old Betty the Spread Eater. There's there's the predicaments for today. But uh, beyond that, we don't have much else. We don't have any new emails that I want to talk about today. We did get a couple, but they were not the kind that I could uh, read on the air. They were the kind that I responded to in other ways. We have uh, I think we have I think we have one new patron since the last time we recorded. But we're gonna wait for Joe on that one. We also have one new review since the last time we recorded. But we're gonna wait for Joe on that one. So. In the meantime, if you'd like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and X and Instagram and all uh, on Patreon, right? There's That's another thing where I'm still uh, – I I had a release skip for the Thanksgiving holiday where I'm like, nah, we'll, we'll not put anything new up that day. But I still have the rest of – I think there's three or four more sections of – the Sunlit Man and my reaction to that. And then after that, we'll move into Defiant, which came out this week, 
which I have yet to start reading because I haven't had time to sit down and record myself reading it, but I'm excited about that one. I was kind of wanting to do a reread of the other books in that series before I did that one, but I don't think I have time. So if you're interested in hearing my reactions to those, join up to the Patreon. You should do a um like a couple like maybe a couple times a book for the Patreon, just a uh, predicament reaction, like where you pick out some of our predicaments and, and just go, all right, this one was scarily accurate, and I don't know how they picked up on this one so quick. And then you go, this one was fucking ridiculous. What the hell were they thinking? I like that. I like that. And then like at the end of the book, then you we can could feature talk the cooking of the spray. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a great title for a short story. The cooking of the spray. Interesting. It sounds it's very Hannibal Lecter, I feel like, um, <laughs> since we know we know one of them, at least, that seems completely sentient. So uh, I feel bad about eating them. I mean, not that I want to eat them, but if Rot Spren are sentient, then I do not ever uh, want to go near this planet. I don't want to meet the Rot Spren for sure if they're sentient. Yeah, no, that's a good point. They don't sound nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, even if they're not sentient, I don't I don't want to meet the Rot Spren. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> that's true. fair. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> Fucking rot sprint. For next time, we're going to read three more chapters. So that'll be 23, 24, and 25 for those following along. I saw a discussion in this Discord today of people who were like, I, uh, following along, I, I tried to do it with the, the Stormlight book, and I'm already on the third Stormlight book. So that shows how, how I succeeded at that. So it's 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 tougher than people keep, like people are like mad, mad respect for Dak and Jamie and Joe for being able to do this because I can't do it. This shit not easy. <laughs> so yeah if you're out there if you're managing to follow along kudos to you others cannot manage it music by miracle of sound three chapters for next time and wasn't to the time of next colo ps fashion cravat